Welcome to the Leading Below the Surface podcast, where we get beyond the book and into our day-to-day lives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Leading Below the Surface podcast. I'm LaTanya Wilkins, founder and CEO of Change Coaches and author of Leading Below the Surface, and I'm joined by my producer, Adam Smigo. So today focuses on a topic that we get asked about quite a bit. And it's interesting because when I'm asked this question, the only way I can really answer it is through answering it through below the surface concepts. And I feel like there's no other way, really. But that question is, what do you do if your clients don't share your DEIB strategy? Hmm. Well, what does that mean? When I'm asked this question and I ask for that clarification, it's usually, it usually ranges from either someone experiencing a racial slur, maybe the wrong pronouns are used, maybe there are microaggressions, and to a CEO or a leadership team, those are varying severities in their minds. But in my mind, every situation is important and it's important for the leadership team, the organization, colleagues, everyone to think about. So I'm going to jump into this. I'm going to start with some research, as I always do, around what to do if your clients aren't aligned with your DEI strategy. And then later I'll get into some examples and some tips. So what's really interesting is according to a Qualtrics study, 39% of workers say they are likely to leave if the company does business with customers, partners, or suppliers that have detrimental values. So we see this on social media all the time, right? The cancel culture, all those types of things. But Workers are saying that they will likely leave. It's, it remains yet to be seen if this is true, if they're actually leaving, but they're saying that they would be likely to do that. I'd, like, I'd personally like to see a follow-up to the study to see if employees are standing by their word. But according to a Qualtrics study, at least they're voicing that. So this one was really interesting to me because... I'm going to follow up with a study right after this one that kind of contradicts it. But the majority of consumers, about 76% of consumers, again, 76%, have taken an action in response to a brand doing something that they disagreed with, including no longer buying from the brand, switching to a competitor, or discouraging others from buying or supporting that brand. 76%. That's a lot. You know, and the this made me think about the brands that I've done that with. And I, I would say that there's not a lot of brands that I would buy from in the first place that have questionable values and norms. Um, I haven't had a Chick-fil-A <laughs> since I was in college. And the only reason why I had a Chick-fil-A is because that was the only thing on campus. Another one is uh, Uber. So when we had the big thing with Uber, um, I've never put it back on my phone. And I don't, again, I don't know if that's an active thing. I think it just happened where I started using Lyft and I started 
doing that. But so 76%, I guess I believe that because I've done that myself. And again, I think it's, uh, it's being conscious about who you buy from in the first place. And I'll cover that. That's for another episode. And I'll cover that later. But this one was really interesting to me. This was a social media frenzy that I kept an eye on as it was going on. Yeah, so many of you may remember this, but this happened in 2020. And this was a study, again, I, I kept my eye on, but it was Goya, and a company called Goya. I am very familiar with this company's products because in Chicago, we have a lot of corner stores, and that's really where these are sold. Goya beans, I, black beans are probably the big thing that I see the most. Uh, they are a Latino brand. And I think Goya might have endorsed the president's uh, at the time, the president-elect. What happened is there was a boycott of the brand. So when Democrats asked for a boycott, of course, Republicans asked for a boycott. The question I was asking myself and really curious about is which side will win out and how long will this last? But the answer is neither side lost out. And I'll put this link in the show notes. But what it found is that there was a temporary increase in sales from the boycott, and that was a new customer base for Goya. But what they found is that that effect did not last. And what they also found is that with the boycotts, it didn't really affect the brand either. You know what really affected the brand was their Latino base, which is their highest base customer. And those folks weren't affected at all. They continued to buy Goya and they weren't affected by this news. I know with Budweiser and their controversy around pride, that just happened. And I'd love to come back to this in about a year and see where they're at, if it's similar. But again, in the historically, boycotts and boycotts don't have a long-term effect. The last two things I want to call out relate to the healthcare industry, because this industry provides a very good illustration of what it could be like to have racist customers, just outright racist. Because black physicians, black nurses, uh, nurses of color, Muslim nurses, Muslim physicians go into work every day and they're always facing microaggressions. And there's even an article that I was reading that said that this is something at the top of you know, people of color's minds as they're going into these hospitals. To make matters worse, there was a 2016 article in the Journal of Academic Medicine that basically said if black physicians, people of color, if you know, people of different religions, if they face a microaggression, they pretty much should just suck it up and, and just go by the ethics code. Really? Right? Um, and this was also in the Journal for New England Medicine. And I, I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, there's one. There was one case that I read where a black woman was told by a patient to not waste her quote unquote affirmative action. So this stuff happens every day. You might be rolling your eyes, but imagine if you are someone that is a person of color uh, and or you are someone, again, that's got that's different from the, the norm population or, you know, maybe you're an only one. If you're in healthcare, that the microaggressions are probably times 10 because there's really no, it, it's a, because it's a public situation, right? 
And the issue is, is that if you are in that field, you have to save people's lives. Like that's what you're thinking about, right? And so this happens all the time. I mean, especially with the biases around education, around care, all of that stuff. So let's get back to answering this question. What do you do if your clients don't agree or align with your DEIB strategy? Before I get into the tips, one more thing I want to add. I was in a conversation with a CEO recently. So we run a workshop on equity, power, and privilege, and we actually talk about clients in that workshop and how to manage when your clients commit a microaggression or, or even worse. And the CEO I was talking to, she basically told me that these are really hard decisions, right? Because they're not some big company like Google that can just walk away from business. And so she said that this is something that she's really still grappling with. She said, if it's egregious, it's easy to walk away from, but if it's a microaggression, it's harder because there's some sort of belief that you can train that person out of it, or you can have a conversation and help that person be a little bit more accepting. So with that, here are the three tips that I have for you. What do you do when you're in these situations? And again, there's no right or wrong answer. But the first thing, and I, I really respect this about the healthcare industry, you can develop a client code of conduct and bill of rights. And so what that would be is for every client, when, when you onboard them, I'm sure many of you have client onboarding processes, customer onboarding processes. Of course, this, this doesn't relate as much to a B2C company. I mean, I think a lot of that will be social media. It'll be a lot of PR. But if you are a B2B company and you're onboarding a large client, you can say, okay, this is our code of conduct. This is how we expect our clients to treat our employees. You're probably cringing at that, but let me tell you that if you don't do this, you could be putting your, yourself at risk for a lawsuit. So really having these conversations up front. Um, also being able to communicate your employees' rights to them. So if they're in these situations, you're not telling them just to suck it up. What are their rights? What do you support? Um, how will you support them when they're in these situations? So that's the first thing. It's just thinking about either you, you could do both or you could do either or. The second tip I have is to train leaders on having difficult conversations. And it's interesting. I just posted about this on LinkedIn recently, but there's this preconceived notion that is extremely incorrect that in order to be direct and to have difficult conversations, you have to be rude or you have to be blunt. But guess what? You can be kind while you do have these conversations. And if you actually start with kindness, it creates safety. So you'll be creating psychological safety in the room for you and your client when you have these difficult conversations. So really keep that in mind, the kindness. And the kindness is really just curiosity, right? Um, you know, have, being more impartial when you're coming into this. But having these difficult conversations and maybe coming in from, again, from a place of understanding, place of curiosity, ready to listen, to learn instead of judging, as I talk about with, in real leadership. But I've found that if you have these conversations, especially if you are 
a CEO, they usually go pretty well if you have them in the right way. But you have to train your, your employees to be able to do the same. And again, it's also training employees to be able to know whether or not they should be the ones having those conversations and giving them a protocol that they should take when they are in those situations. So second, training leaders on difficult conversations. This doesn't have to be rude. This doesn't have to be contentious. It doesn't have to be confrontational. You could start off with kindness and see how that goes first. But again, you won't even have to deal with this if you start with the Bill of Rights, right? And the Code of Conduct. The third tip that I have is to have a more thorough client screening process. And this is when, again, this is when you present the things like the Code of Conduct, like the Bill of Rights. I once worked for a company and they actually told me that they lost business. I don't know if this was true or if it was an urban legend, but they basically told us that they lost business because the sales team that they sent in to this client was completely white and the client team was extremely diverse. And so the client decided not to work with this company because they didn't look like them, right? And they didn't want that type of business partnership because that, that appeared that it didn't align with their DEIB goals. And so having a thorough screening process and you know what does that story have to do with this? Well, basically, you can tell stories like this, right? Um, you know, as you're, as you're bringing clients on and see how they react, right? Um, you can do some research on clients. I do that quite a bit. If we are going into a big partnership, I like to research and see if there's any negative press on a company, uh, if there's any racism blatantly, if there's any money given to hate groups, homophobic groups, transphobic groups. I'm really out there typing on my keyboard, doing that research, because I don't want to be in the situation where uh, a company like mine is working with someone that's inherently against us, right? And even though it might not be every employee, it's basically what the company stands for. And so really doing that, that screening process. And again, it doesn't mean not necessarily taking on the company. I've had a situation like that where I had a conversation and they basically said, yeah, we are trying to improve that. And that's one of the reasons why we want to bring your company in. And then you just have to make a decision, right? Um, but for me, it's, it really relies on getting the data and then intuitively, how do I feel? Do I feel like I could really help these folks? And do I feel like they're 100% genuinely committed to change? So yeah, to wrap this up, Again, the question was, what do you do if your client doesn't share your DEIB strategy? And hopefully I, I gave you some articles, some tools, some resources to be able to answer this question for yourself. But again, the three tips that I have for you in order to either avoid or navigate these situations is number one, this code of conduct, bill of rights, two, training leaders on these difficult conversations. And three, having a more thorough client screening process. One more thing I'll, I'll mention is also reinforcing positive behaviors that align with your DEIB strategy. Again, publicly acknowledging and reinforcing those behaviors. So for example, if you have an employee that actually speaks up to a client, except for example, with someone that might be using the wrong pronouns or that might be committing a microaggression, bring that up in a meeting and talk about that positively. So then other people will want to do it too. 
But again, find a kind way and a service-oriented way for your employees to address this, just like you would, just like with anyone else. And again, if the situation turns into harassment or if it turns into defensiveness, then you can just get yourself out of it and kind of regroup and figure out what the next steps are. But like I said, most of the conversations that I've had and my clients have had have gone positively, again, with the right tactic. So that concludes today's episode, folks. So next week, we'll be back with a guest. So thank you and see you next time.